This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 425 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Dr. Rose's Remedies, and Horseware. This week, Helena shares her wedding details. Woohoo! Equine surgeon Dr. Liz York is our listener of the week, and Horselovers.com product review is the Equicalm Paste. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Coach Jen And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network well, Jen, I I have to decide whether or not I want to keep my my radio show name, Helena B. But it sounds so good. I have. I'm two still holding on to it. I'm so we're, we're, we, it's going to be all things wedding here. Just be prepared, everybody. I okay. have two important questions <laughs> because I did not get to attend your pop up wedding. I know. Uh, was the wedding wonderful? Yes. And other question: Were there horses involved? Kind of. Kind of? Kind of. Explain. Well, since we're all horsey, we had to leave the horses behind for the day, but there was no shortage of horse discussion. We're we're all very deeply enmeshed in one another's horsey lives. So I have my two horses who Nora comes and helps me out with. Grace rides in Nora's IEA program. Nora is now the head coach of the Roger Williams equestrian team. She has a barn full of horses and Rachel is her assistant trainer. So we talked horses pretty much from the beginning to the end. <laughs> <laughs> now, was it indeed on the beach? It wasn't on the beach. It was held in a little town commons. It's not so little. It was in, in the town commons in Newport, Rhode Island called Queen Anne square. So it's a green, it's a town green and it, it points towards or it's overlooked by this big, beautiful church steeple, Trinity Church. And there are cobblestone brick pathways. And then there's this beautiful stone area foundation. It's like it I I can't really explain what it's like. It's almost like a hearth. And each of these little areas within the park are dedicated to a certain period in history uh, that helped oh. define Right, that helped define what Newport is all about. And the one that we actually got married in, each area has a carving, a stone carving. And the words in that carving are an excerpt from a log, from either it's a mason or a sea captain or um, a woman who, I, for, I don't know what they're called, but they, they spin yarn and they have all these, you know, jobs, these colonial people. So they took these excerpts from these, these, our ancestors 
logs and journals and literally inscribe them into the stone to mark what these people were feeling and thinking what was happening at that point in history. So the one we were at uh, was dated 1763. So we went way back. Um, we invoked the history of our, our Yankee ancestors. So neat. Now, how, how old is the most recent one? How close to modern it, did they go? It was in the 1860s. So recently modern. Yep, recently modern. How old is the oldest one? Um, that's a good question. I think that oldest one was 1703. Okay, so it 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 covers a century and a half or so. Yes. And yes. It, I'm guessing that's does does is Newport older than the 1700s? Oh gosh, now you're getting into Newport history. I believe Newport was settled in the 16 the mid 1600s. There, in fact, we did a show, we did an episode of the show. It was about Newport weddings of all things, but the gal who was on is a 12th, I, this is not a typo, a 12th generation Newporter. Her family was, her great, 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 great grandfather was one of the original Masons that actually laid the brickwork on some of the very first foundations in Newport in the 1600s. Oh, wow. How cool. Yeah. So my dates are a little fuzzy because I have all kinds of dates floating around in my head. But uh, Newport was pretty much settled in the 1600s. But then, like everything else in New England, really got heavily populated in um, the 1700s, 1740s, 1750s. And then, of course, the 1800s, there was another boom. And we had the mansions built. And we had all kinds of commerce. And then there was the whaling trade. The whaling trade really took hold in the 1800s. So there were these spurts of development and you can see them layered into the city, into all of Rhode Island and all of New England, actually. So this, this park overlooks Newport Harbor. You know, it, it overlooks all of the things that make Newport this great seafaring town. Um, but it was just across the street and steeped in colonial history. How cool. You had a historical wedding. Oh, oh it was so cool. It was so cool. And it was just, it was nine of us, 10, including our wedding officiant. So it was, it was small. Perfect. I would never, ever, ever do a big wedding again. <laughs> small is awesome. I, I frankly don't understand how anybody does a big wedding, but, but I, you know, there's some people who, you know, I'm, I guess being an introvert, I don't yep. get it. But uh, did you have a plan B if um, you had a thunderstorm or there, the the common was covered with bouncy houses because of a birthday party. Was there a plan B? Well, n no, not really. <laughs> and that's we planned it that way. Our plan B was don't have a plan because Buck and I are we're truly adventurers. We're a couple of punks. So the excitement around the whole thing was we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to show up in this park. We don't know if we're allowed to do this. We don't know if there's going to be people around. Is there some kind of event going on? We had an idea that there there was nothing big. There were no big, like, town-sponsored events happening in the park. But we really didn't know what we would find when we got there at 5 o'clock on Friday. And although we did know that the weather was going to be okay, we were a little concerned with Hurricane Matthew, and its initial proposed track was supposed to come right into Newport Harbor. But I was like, you know what? We'll just get a couple of umbrellas at the dollar store, and I'll pack my wellies. <laughs> Seriously, like... How much fun would that be? I mean, like, yeah, we got married in a hurricane. There you go. <laughs> no, so, no, we did not have a backup plan. 
You can see the headlines. Couple arrested in effort to illegally get hitched in, in town common. That would have been yeah. really fun. Yeah. Think of all the it press was your cool. show would have gotten. I know. Ratings, baby. <laughs> Ratings. Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations. I, I have seen the pictures and everybody just looks like they had a grand time. We did. There was no stress. So everybody was free to have, you know, a nice big family dinner out. And we had no, we had a reservation at a restaurant. You guys will have to listen to the show on Thursday where we'll give all the details of play-by-play and what we went through. But we had dinner at a fancy schmancy restaurant right on the harbor. And we had made reservations, but we didn't actually reserve a room. We just reserved a table for 10. And so, you know, the restaurant says, well, you know, we can hold your table, but we can't guarantee it because someone might come along and actually reserve the restaurant for an event between now and your wedding. So again, there was some question as to whether so or not we'll take your gonna, reservation, but not really. We'll <laughs> take your reservation, but they couldn't. No, they could reserve a table for ten, but they couldn't guarantee where. Oh well, okay, there you go. within the restaurant. So we well we wanted to overlook the harbor and have the sunset and all this stuff. So. Um, it didn't quite work out the way we planned, but you'll have to tune into the show to find out exactly how it worked out. Uh, well, um, the pictures are happiness. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, there you go. That's so cool. <laughs> yep. So I will remain Helena B, although officially I will be changing my name. It will be Helena Harris. You're gonna have to get everything re. You're just gonna have to get everything re-embroidered. Oh my gosh, the dishes, the flatware. Yeah, I never. You know what? I never had anything. <laughs> I never had. No, the only thing I have to do is some paperwork. Well, maybe this is an opportunity then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is right. Like I can get. We can get towels and and it's H. So I really. I don't even H's have to. Pretty. I can, you can get them curly can, Q and stuff. Exactly. H's are pretty, and I only need one. It covers pretty much the whole thing. You get rat catchers done, and you can get to put them on your on your horse's coolers, and you can put them on your fancy tack trunks. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think that's what that's what you should need to do is just get everything with H's all curly cute and beautiful. It's a good reason <laughs> to go out and buy new coolers and new tack trunks and new brushes and new saddle pads. Saddle pads. You can get them embroidered in your hat covers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those leather stamps, you know? Yeah. There you, go. <laughs> <laughs> all you had one. You had J.H., right? Didn't you have a, you had J.G.H.? J.H. All over everything, yes. Yep. You're kind of impressed that I remembered that, aren't you? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. It's like, oh, yeah, I did have, have that on everything, didn't I? <laughs> <gasps> oh, my gosh. Well, that's the only way you can keep track of it when you have it, a, you know, keep your stuff at a stable. I know. I know. Lots of my stuff has walked away over the years. Yeah. It's a hazard. <laughs> Spread the love. Yep. Well, that's been a lot of fun, but I think we probably have, should uh, get rolling here. And yes, ma'am. First guest. But before we do get to our first guest, we're going to take a minute to hear from one of our sponsors, Horse Lovers. We all get in a rut when it comes to shopping for horse supplies online. If you have not tried horselovers.com yet, then you are missing out on one of the world's largest online tack shops and all the best brands like Noble Outfitters, Ariat, Turn 2, Tough One, Professional's Choice, Weaver, and many, many more. Visit horselovers.com every day to see their daily deals and flash sales. Horselovers.com has 
everything for the Western and Trail Rider. So get on over to horselovers.com today and save. This winter grooming tip is brought to you by Horsewear Blankets. Joining us are two of the top grooms in the country of Enter Philip Dutton's groom, Emma Ford, and Cat Hill from World Class Grooming. Well, this week's Horsewear Winter Grooming Tip of the Week is brought to you by Cat. Cat, we're talking about blanketing for the busy work day. You start off in the morning, you make sure the horses have their blankets on, and then you go to work for eight hours, and then it warms up. What do you do? The key to keeping your horse comfortable all day is um, it's pretty simple. It's the same thing that you use, and that's layering. One heavyweight blanket that they wear all night and during the day um, can oftentimes get too hot during the middle of the day. And then especially if you're not coming back again until after dark, then they get chilled because they've gotten too hot in the middle of the day. Rambo has two amazing options for this. The first is their layering option where they have a liner that clips to a top layer. And the liner helps to um, regulate their body temperature more similarly to how their own coat works um, because you've got the two layers that breathe a little bit better than just one big heavy layer. And it also helps prevent the chill uh, from from taking hold if they've got warm middle of the day and then cooling down in the evening. Um, the other one is Rambo has a product, which is their Vera layer, uh, which is one rug. It's super easy to use. You, know, you just put on whatever uh, weight they're going to wear all day, put on in the morning. And um, right now, it's about 40 degrees in the morning and it's getting up to 60 degrees where we are during the day. And so my horse is wearing the, the mid-weight, um, the mid-weight bare layer. And what that does is it actually is designed to act more like their own coat. So similar to how performance fleece works for people, it doesn't get too hot, but it also doesn't get, um, doesn't, it also keeps them really nice and toasty. And uh, that very layer system helps horses self-regulate, similar to how their own hair works. So they stay a lot more comfortable through the day. Great advice for a problem that everybody is familiar with and we all worry about when we go to work in the morning and don't get to see our horses till evening. And I'm, I'm glad they came up with a solution like that. Because short of ha- before, the old days, short of having somebody come out at noon and, and take a layer off, that was the only option you had. Well, Kat, where can people find out more about you guys? We're on the web at worldclassgrooming.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram if you look up the same thing, World Class Grooming. And we published a book, a best-selling horse book last year, and it's World Class Grooming for Competition Horses, and you can find it on our website or wherever horse books are sold. And we have breaking news just in. Hold the presses. This week only from October 14th through the 17th, you can get $100 off any Rambo turnout blanket, including the Vera layer that Kat talked about, the Rambo duo, the Optimo, and the original, the Supreme, and all the others in the Rambo turnout line. All you have to do is trade in your old turnout from any brand for a horse in need. Simply visit horseware.com trade for more information and fill out the form for the voucher you will 
will need to get your $100 off. That's from the 14th through the 17th. The complete list of retailers is on the website at horseware.com slash trade as well. Open to U.S. and Canadian residents only. Go to horseware.com today and trade in that blanket that you currently have to a brand new Rambo and get $100 off on this weekend only from the 14th through the 17th. Up next, we have our listener of the week. We're featuring Dr. Liz York this week. Why is she a doctor? She's the best kind of doctor there is. She's a veterinary doctor, an equine veterinary doctor. So it's Dr. Liz York, DVM, which makes her way cooler than any MD. And she's from Auburn, Alabama. So we're going to talk to her about what life is like as an equine surgeon, about her horses, is she married, is her spouse, if she has one, horsey, all those wonderful questions that help us get to know our listeners. And then, of course, we have the rapid fire questions, which really helps us get to know our listeners. So let's get our guest, Dr. Liz York, on the phone today. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, welcome, Dr. York, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We're happy to have you. Um, this is our listener interview, getting to know our listeners uh, segment. And what I thought was going to be just a generic, hey, how are you? Let's get to know who you are and, and get to know something about your horses. You actually have some something really meaty to talk about, but we're going to get to that in just a second. So um, let me just say welcome to the Stable Scoop radio show. Thanks very much. I'm happy to be here. Um, you are, according to my show notes here, you're an equine surgeon or actually a professor of equine surgery at Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. Am I right so far? That's right. How long have you been in uh, veterinary medicine? Oh, well, I graduated vet school back in 2007, and I've uh, done a variety of training experiences, internships, and residencies uh, since then, and I've been at Tuskegee University for about two years now. And have you, did you start out with large animals, um, equine medicine, or did you do small animals? Have you always wanted to do, to work with horses? Yeah, I was one of those girls that grew up uh, drawing pictures of horses before I'd ever actually seen one. So I came up in the in the hunter-jumper world and owned and showed horses uh, all through my junior years and uh, continued to do that in a less competitive uh, manner. But yeah, I always knew I wanted to do uh, equine medicine. Jen? I have a question. I forget <laughs> what it was. It's gone now because I think, she, I think you answered it sort of for me. Now, whenever you started out in veterinary college, you, she, you always wanted to do the horse thing. Or, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always been my focus. Uh, you know, I, I own dogs and cats, uh, myself, but, uh, in terms of what I wanted to do professionally, yeah, my, my love is horses. So that's what I do. And I've, uh, I've specialized in that. And, uh, you know, I teach the, uh, equine medicine and surgery rotation here at uh, Tuskegee. I'm one of the professors in that. So I uh, train the students on the large animal side and, uh, and teach those courses here. How did you pronounce, pronounce again the name of the university? Tuskegee University. Tuskegee. Okay. I've said it the total Damn. like Yankee way. Tuskegee. Oh, I'm a okay. Yankee too. <laughs> oh, you are. Okay. But yeah, but you, yeah, you're, I'm from New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're embedded now, so you you can't get away with mispronouncing your universe. <laughs> whenever you go, whenever one goes to veterinary college, 
Do you have to say at the beginning of your 28 years of veterinary college that you want to be a surgeon? Or is that something when you start out, you have to go through X number of years and then you um, go extra for surgery? How does that work? Yeah, the, the latter, exactly. Uh, now, some vet schools will track um, a, a specific species if you want to specialize in horses. For example, my veterinary school, which was Virginia, did that. So I focused my studies uh, on the equine side all the way through. And um, some vet schools uh, do a more general education. But uh, in terms of how do you uh, do, a, do a specialty, uh, you graduate vet school, you uh, complete a one-year internship, uh, typically in your uh, in your area of focus, uh, if it's large animals or small animals, and then you um, apply for a residency, and that's a that's a competitive program, so not everyone matches for a residency. Uh, I did a residency in equine surgery at Auburn University, also in Alabama, and uh, that's a three-year program. And uh, when you finish your residency, you um, take a, a very difficult exam. That's um, the board certification exam for that specialty, and if you pass, you are a uh, board certified specialist in that uh, area. My head hurts. <laughs> now you are you are married to your husband Connor. Yes, I am. Yes. Now was were you a veterinarian before you met Connor? I was in my last year of residency. Um, yes. So uh, you know he he's definitely an animal person, but uh, didn't have any veterinary experience before he met me, and he got thrown in the deep end. <laughs> Yay! Good job, Connor. <laughs> how did, well, how, he does first a good all, job. Yeah. How did you meet somebody like him when you're like totally embedded in your probably your most intense course of study in your whole academic career? It was pretty surprising to me, actually, that, that we met. Uh, we're actually both from uh, Long Island in New York, but we met down here in Alabama and uh, have a remarkable number of uh, odd things in common. And uh, I think it was just a matter of, uh, of luck and fate. Aww. Now, he, was he horsey before you met him? He was not. He's a he's a wildlife biologist, so he's he's certainly into uh, to animals and that's um, a cool you know, job too. Conservation side. Oh, oh my god! Sure. I, I know. A, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, but no, he wasn't great, horsey. I bet you have great dinner table conversations. <laughs> yeah, it might uh, it might uh, be a little boring or, or sometimes gross for, for I was going to uh, say you know, other people, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, we enjoy yeah. biologists. I'm going. Ooh, maybe some of those conversations aren't good for the dinner table. <laughs> 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 but uh yep connor has uh has embraced the horse thing actually and he uh he's learned to ride and actually has his own horse now so uh we are a horsey family and uh my younger stepdaughter who's uh, who's seven also rides uh so we uh we have we each have a horse and we uh, get to ride together in our local uh, barn which is very fun to have my family involved in that oh that's awesome though what a nice fulfilling well-rounded life you get to help horses. You get to enjoy them. A lot of people I think who work in horses, they don't necessarily have a chance to enjoy them separately from their work. So, um, it's nice to hear that you have a chance to enjoy your horses with your family, you know, instead of yeah, just having agree, constantly with your hand in their guts kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are, there are always... other parts of that. Okay. So, all right. So we have I'm like all over the road here. I'm so excited to talk to you. There's there's seven different conversations I want to have with you, but I, I'm <laughs> going to try and keep it to what's in the show notes. Uh, so you have your horses at home. Um, you get to enjoy them. You work in equine medicine. What is, mm-hmm. um, there's a program that you wanted to talk to us about, and you mentioned it before we actually started taping, and it has to do with traveling to Nicaragua and and some program that you're involved in. Tell us about that, because this it sounds like you're really passionate about it. 
Sure, yeah. I, I came back uh, recently from a trip to provide veterinary care uh, to working equids, working horses on the island of Ometepe in Nicaragua. Uh, so we spent about two weeks uh, in this rural community um, that really doesn't have any other veterinary care uh, available to these families uh, during the year. And I went down with the Oregon State University chapter of the International Veterinary Student Association. They've done this trip once a year since 2006, and it's really, really a great uh, and worthwhile program. Um, They spend about uh, seven days of clinic work providing care to the the dogs and cats of the island, as well as the horses and and cattle and, and pigs. Uh, my specialty being horses, I um, you know went down there and, and uh, provided uh, routine care, uh, you know physical exams, deworming, uh, and then also um, you know castrations and various surgeries to, such as uh, mass removals and, and taking care of wounds, um, things that there's no access to during the rest of the year for these families. And um, you know there's, there's a lot of poverty in the area. There's not a lot of um, you know either education on animal husbandry or uh, resources uh, for people to uh, to take care of their animals in between. So it's um, it's a community that's very reliant on this group that comes down and uh, provides this care, and it was uh, incredibly uh, fulfilling experience for me to be able to help out this uh, this group of animals that uh, really is in, in need of um, uh, veterinary help. What do you find to be the most common need that you can provide? What's what's pretty much across the board? Something that you can go down and expect that you'll need to support from you know for these horses. Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest issues with, uh, with the horses as well as the dogs and cats, but, but I'll speak specifically to the horses, is uh, poor body condition in general. Horses that are uh, really skinny, um, they do a lot of hard physical work. Like I said, they're, they're working animals and yeah. they uh, don't, um, don't have a lot of opportunity to you know, rest these animals. They're, they're you know, very important for the ability of the family to survive. Uh, they also don't have access to medicines. So um, many of the animals have a very high worm load, and because there's not access to dewormers and, and veterinarians, things we take for granted here in the States, uh, the animals are often in very poor body condition, uh, which predisposes them to uh, different types of injuries and uh, saddle sores. If they're, You can imagine if um, their spine is, is uh, kind of sticking out along the, the top where the saddle uh, sits because they don't have any fat to pad it, uh, right. They develop sores uh, under the saddle, and um, you know even the simplest things we can do, such as going down there and talking to the owners about uh, ways to to pad the saddles. You know, typically they're ill-fitting and they don't have access to things like saddle pads. Um, right. If we can talk to them about putting, you know, for example, banana leaves under the under the saddle to to help them. Uh, heal those wounds. Uh, and then also if we, if we bring down a dewormer, we deworm these horses and, um, you know, that can help them to gain, um, you know, their fat back and, and pad themselves better. One of our biggest so you, challenges was, God. Nope. Your, one of your biggest challenges was? Um, when we uh, bring these uh, medicines and supplies down to Nicaragua, uh, we do have to go through customs and uh, we, we did lose about half of our supply of, of dewormer this year. So, um, you know, we, we got about three quarters of the way through the clinic and we really had to, to make our supplies stretch to be able to provide the care because unfortunately you do have the, uh, you know, bureaucracy of going through a, a third world country's uh, customs and, and sometimes things don't quite make sense, but, um, you know, we did lose a, a fair number of our supplies uh, to customs Ugh, and what a we bummer. weren't able to, to bring them to the animals. How, do you have any sponsors who pays for these trips? 
Well, it's a it's a completely student run trip from Oregon State University, so I have to you know give the credit to uh, to the students at, at that that school, who uh, every year plan this trip and they uh, solicit donations uh, both from uh, private parties and uh, also from companies that that make veterinary supplies and, and donate the uh, the supplies to come down uh, with us to the trips. Um, they pay a, a fee to, to join along with the trip, and that um, money is used for, for our housing as well as purchasing these uh, these supplies to take care of the animals. So let's say, um, you know, some equine deworming manufacturing company who might be listening to this show and had some extra supplies lying around could find a good home for them in this program, something like that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, because I'm thinking if, if you guys get caught in customs with this stuff, would it be easier to just have it shipped direct? And is that even possible? Yeah, we're looking into different methods. They, they've tried a variety of ways to get it down there. And it seems like the rules change every year. Um, it's yeah. not quite so simple as just shipping it before we go. Um, I think that's been attempted and some of them, uh, you know, it never gets there. Mm. Uh, so there's, uh, there's you know, little, uh, little tweaks you have to make to, uh, to work yeah. the system. You have to be creative when you're working with developing countries because it's it, you're right. Yeah. You can't just go in there and and say, "Oh, this is how we do it in you know in the Northeast or this is how we do it in Alabama." Um, you really do need to get creative. Um, and then thinking about the, the creativity, you know, there's there's actual healthcare that you can provide for the horses, but then again, there's this education that has to happen. Do you find that um, the horses' caregivers and their owners are interested in learning? Are they open to suggestions and to the kind of education that you provide that goes along with the actual hands-on care? Yeah, th- definitely. They they really do want the best for their animals, and you know, if the animal does well, it means their family, um, you know, will do a little better. Um, they are open to to our suggestions. They do realize that you know we have uh, a lot of experience, and they're they're happy to uh, to learn from us. There are some, uh, I guess, folk practices that we do have to to work against things that really aren't based in medicine, but uh, that happen anyway. Um, but uh, you know they they know we provide certain services and. Uh, one of the interesting things that I found is that a lot of these families are coming in uh, requesting dentistry for their horses. And whereas I may have to uh, talk uh, some folks here in the in the states into providing a yearly dental for their horses and explain why uh, these uh, families in Nicaragua, once they learn that uh, there's benefit to to doing a dental on your horse once a year, uh, they'll come every year and request it. So uh, so that's great. They they do really want to uh, to do right by their animals. And they uh, they will come early in the morning and they'll wait all day long for the opportunity for their animal to uh, to be seen. Wow. What kinds of what kinds of feed do they provide or is there um, I mean, I know it's difficult for them to feed their horses when they're really challenged with just feeding themselves sometimes. But um, do the horses have access to hay or grass or any kind of um, pelleted feeds or grains? No, uh, really not very commonly. Uh, They're um, in the fields and they'll eat whatever's out there. And in fact, I I saw horses eating, you know, dried up brown palm fronds, um, you know, just because they'll eat whatever's in front of them. They're very, very tough horses. Um, They have a lot harder life than most of our horses here in the States and they survive unless, and they also have, uh, I've seen horses heal from injuries that a lot of the animals, if they came through my uh, vet school, uh, you know, would have a very hard time uh, surviving. Surviving yeah, sometimes I, is what that yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. Nigel wouldn't do well in Nicaragua. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, neither would my horses. They're, they're fat and spoiled. Well, tell, speaking of your horse, tell us a little bit about uh, your horse. Sure. Uh, well, my, my personal horse is Harry Potter. 
Ah! He is a, uh, <laughs> gotta love it. Uh, he's a nine-year-old uh, quarter horse cross. He's not papered. Uh, and I picked up from an auction uh, back a few years ago for, for about $75. And, um, you know, really never thought he'd be a particularly great horse. Just just wanted to uh, to help him out and, uh, you know, save him from a, a situation I didn't think was very good. And uh, he's turned into a, a lovely little horse, actually. So, you know, I ride him uh, English and kind of in the early stages of, of training him for uh, low-level hunters. And um, he's very talented and, and one of those very sensitive horses that's extremely attuned to me and, um, you know, things that I am uh, trying to teach him. I've taught him, for example, uh, the come to the mountain block uh, that uh, Jamie and Horses in the Morning uh, taught to Thor oh, from, uh, from Monty Roberts' uh, method. Oh. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that was a great thing I learned from there. Uh, but he's a very smart horse and, a, you know, uh, a really good find, for, for especially for the price I paid for him. Do you get offers for of, for free horses very often? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, a hazard of the veterinary trade, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My own vet is constantly getting offers for, oh, why don't you take my horse? I mean, who wouldn't want their horse to live with their vet, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah. It's cool. Like, you know, where does a vet go when they actually are ready to get their own horse? And um, I love that you went to the auction. Yeah. Now, do, do you? Yeah, sh- it, we just kind of fell into that situation. But it seems like you never, uh, I, I'm looking for a for a pony for our um, our younger uh, daughter right now. And, you know, you can never find the, the exact one you want. But sometimes they just fall into your hands when you're not expecting. There you go. That's do you, true. Do you share your, do you share Harry Potter with your husband or does he have his own? He has its own. Uh, Samwise is his horse, who is a 16-year-old uh, paint gelding and just a saint and one of those horses that's worth his weight in gold. And the, the seven-year-old rides him, too, and, Aww. you know, just, just takes care of everybody, one of those good guys. I kind of so see who's a the theme fan- here with the horse names. I know, I know. Hmm. Who's the fantasy, uh, fantasy novel fan? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and so then you have a third horse. So we have Samwise, Harry Potter, and right. Or you? Uh, I, I... I have an, another horse that uh, mostly is a pasture pet at this point, William. But uh, that's that's our three. William doesn't really have a job. He he failed at having a job, so he just lives in a field now. He just makes you feel good. And yeah, we go, just pay for him. My pasture freeloader. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes keeping those freeloaders like. Fat and healthy is an accomplishment in and of itself. I don't know if he. They're either they're either easy keepers or really hard keepers. So either way, there's some extra effort involved in keeping your pasture pets happy. So I always feel good when I when I get them at that sweet spot. You know, they're not too fat and they're not too thin. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm going to take us back to Nicaragua for a minute. How often do you go um, on these trips? Is it a once a year event? Well, this was my first time attending, and I, I fully intend on continuing to go. Uh, in fact, I, what I would like to do next year is bring some of the vet students that I teach here at, at Tuskegee um, down on the trip uh, with me. Uh, right now, all the students that went were from Oregon State or their surroundings. Um, but, uh, you know, we're in works to, to try to bring, uh, you know, five or six of our own students next year. Because uh, it's, it's definitely a really well-run program and very needed. So I think, uh, you know, if we continue to go every year, it would uh, be a great thing. Awesome. Well, maybe you can come back and give us some updates on the program because um, I know that once these once these programs 
take hold and the people of Nicaragua, you know, they, once they get involved, like you said, they're really invested in it and, um, it, it can grow and, and do wonderful things. So, um, we'd love to get some updates from you and see how the next one goes. Absolutely. I'd love to. Great. Well, we got to get to our rapid fire questions and, um, okay. and we'll get to know you in a, in a lighter way. This test uh, will be Jennifer? easier than your, than your board certification. This will be much easier. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Enough. Jennifer, the rapid fire questions are on your plate today. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Anytime. Okay, here we go. Dr. York, what is your favorite food? Um, any sort of meat. However, I am a vegetarian. Wait a minute. You can't be both. <laughs> well, I, I, I can miss meat very much. But uh, no, I don't. I don't eat it. But, uh, you know, I do love it and miss it. Okay. Gotcha. Also, also Marmite. Marmite is one of my favorites. Oh, there we go. All you Australian listeners. Is that, is that an Australian product? Marmite? Um, I think it's called Vegemite in Australia and Marmite in the, in the UK. Gotcha. See, that's what I know about vegetarianism. Shut up, Jennifer. You're showing your ignorance. What is your least favorite food? <laughs> Peanuts. Oh. Allergy or just don't like them? Um, disgusting little things, but I'm also allergic to them. Well, there you go. <laughs> Double they are disgusting little things, aren't they? <laughs> what is your biggest equestrian pet peeve? Um, it's probably really more to do with, uh, the human side of it, but, uh, indiscriminate breeding and irresponsible breeding that adds to the overpopulation of horses and the number of horses going to slaughter. Good one. Oh, I am your biggest fan. I am your biggest fan. Good right one. Now. What is the most terrifying thing you have ever done? And would you do it again? And getting married is not allowed to be an answer. Oh, um, this, this may kind of bring down the mood a little bit, but, uh, my husband had cancer about five years ago and, uh, I, I wouldn't want to do that again. Uh, obviously, I, I would be there if I needed to, but that was uh, not a good time. And Nobody should have to ever do that twice, or even once for that matter. Yeah. yeah. How is he doing now? Oh, he's great now. He's all done. Wonderful. Yay. We're glad to hear it. Yeah. Good. And if you could have a super po superhero power, what would it be? I'm asking the lady who owns a horse named Harry Potter this question. Okay. <laughs> what, what would your superpower be? Oh, I would like to be able to communicate with my animals and ask them uh, where it hurts. Oh, my, my horse would say, oh, it hurts in my tummy. I need to eat more. That's what he would say. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And if, if your horse could, uh, now you've just answered the last one. If your horse could speak, what single question would you ask him or her? But you can only hmm. ask one question, uh, just one. I guess I would just ask him if he's happy and if there's anything I could do to make him happier. Aww. I love the theme. I love it. Pretty much everybody answers that way. And I think that's what brings us together. That's what, that's what makes the horse radio network so awesome because it's full of horse people who just want their horses to be happy. <sighs> yeah, it really is just the, the nicest group of people um, that I've, that I've seen on the, you know, the auditors uh, Facebook page and just a very supportive and kind and, and, uh, you know, a really group that really loves their animals. It's very nice to be involved in that. Well, we are glad you're a part of it. We're very glad to, for you to be a part of it. And it was nice to get to know you and the programs that you're involved in. And, um, well, it, that was great. So Dr. Liz York, DVM, she is a professor of equine surgery. At, I'm going to totally make get this wrong. 
Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. And if I am wrong, don't correct me. Just let me live with it, okay? Thanks so much, Liz. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. And speaking of veterinarians, sometimes when your horses get boo-boos, you don't need the veterinarian. You just need to fix the (laughs) boo-boo. You need to fix the boo-boo. I'm all about fixing the the boo-boo. What what do you got for me that's going to help me fix the boo-boo? Dr. Roses. Dr. Roses Remedies. Dr. Rose's Remedies. I love Dr. Rose's Remedies. I found a new use for it. Uh Uh-oh. I am so excited. Uh, Regular listeners know that we've been using it uh, for years on Scooter, who has white legs. So we we put it on his pasterns on a pretty regular basis to avoid getting scratches because preventing scratches is much easier than curing scratches. Oh, God. Don't we know that? Right? Well, Nigel, my new horse, uh, has terrible, terrible feet. Partly genetic, partly due to long-term uh, poor nutrient vet, poor nutrition because he spent a couple of years hanging out in his mom's basement living on cheese puffs. So that started to show up in his feet. So we're, we're kind of playing that battle of getting his feet back together. And I, he wears hoof boots a lot now because his feet are kind of tender and really, really flat. And those hoof boots tend to hold moisture in them when the grass is damp. Not a good yeah. thing because, you know, that promotes the growth of bacteria and other bad stuff. And you can't really put hoof oil on their hooves because that gets the insides of the boots all gummed up and nasty. But you can spray Dr. Rose's Remedies spray on his hoof walls. And I let that soak in for just maybe 30 seconds to a minute even. And then I just wipe it off with a towel to dry it and put those hoof boots on. And his feet look Fantastic. Now, it's not labeled wow. to use on their hooves. It's not labeled for that. But it is amazing for his hooves. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, when you do think about it, hooves are just another, they're like fingernails. And, they're you know, it's lots of protein and it's excess. It's like big, super calloused skin. Well, it's, it's so, antibacterial. It's antifungal. Both things that love to grow on hooves, right? It's all natural. So, uh, so all you did was spray his feet and throw his hoof boots on. Well, they're clean feet first. They're clean and they're dry. Yeah. Um, and I make sure the hoof is clean and dry. I take my Dr. Roses and I put it in a, in a new sprayer so that the sprayer can go on stream. And I just squirt it around his coronet and kind of let it run down his hoof wall. And I'll use my fingers to smoosh it around a little bit so it's, it's properly soaked. Like you were giving his hoof a bath in Dr. Yeah. Roses. And I let it sit there for... I, it's as short as 30 seconds if, a, if I'm in a hurry. Uh, if I'm not in a hurry, I'll leave it on there for five minutes or so. And then I just take a towel and quickly rub over the outside of his hoof so that it's not drippy. And then I put his hoof boots on. And he, he usually wears them all day. And when we here in Florida, the grass is damp in the morning. It's a lot of dew, which gets moisture inside those hoof boots. And I am thrilled to death with how his hoof wall is. Because you know how when their feet get too wet, their hoof wall gets that... It's gooey, it's messy, it's sloppy, it's slimy. It gets, it starts to peel and chip because it's too much moisture. Yeah. Uh, not getting that. I'm So I'm just, this is an off-label use for Dr. Roses, and I'm so excited. Wow. Now I got to go get the spray, for, the spray kind. Yeah, it's spray the, spray, the spray is my friend. I use the spray um, two to one over the, um, the salve. I use the okay. spray a lot. I love it because a little goes a long way. It puts it exactly where you want it. And you yeah. don't have any gooey, slimy stuff again. Florida, hot, you know. Yep. I love the spray. 
Awesome. So it's Dr. Rose's Remedies off-label use. <laughs> DrRosesRemedies.com. Dr. Rose's Remedies. There awesome. Well, thanks, Jen. I feel like we just got a little horse tip daily in Staple Scoop. <laughs> there we go. Up next, we have our Tack and Habit segment sponsored by Horselovers.com. And today's segment features our reviewer, Anne-Marie Bruins. And she is going to talk to us about the Equicom paste. Um, Equicom. I, you know, I think we all could use a little Equicom every now and again, sometimes for our horses. In my case, sometimes for myself. Um, what is the Equicom paste? It's a, according to the description, the manufacturer's description, it's a buffered, sugar-free amino acid formula that's designed to reduce adrenaline, increase endorphins, and protect the horse's stomach. And so, uh, Anne-Marie, I'm assuming that you use this on your horse or horses, so we're eager to hear what you have to say. Welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I, I use it on my little crazy thoroughbred. <laughs> okay, so you have a crazy thoroughbred. Welcome to the club. Yeah, it actually, how I ended up getting this to review was Glenn asked me, he's like, what do you, why do you need it? And I'm like, well, I'd like to stay out of the hospital this year. <laughs> well, tell <laughs> us a little bit, tell us a little bit about your horse first. Um, she's an off the track thoroughbred and I always, I always joke with my trainer. She feels like a loaded spring. <laughs> oh boy. So tell us about how you use the Equicom pace and what you thought of it. Um, so with this, it's, it's a paste in a, in like a tube, like you do with like warmer. You, I try to like give it to her about half hour to an hour before I ride. And it says on the things for like competitions, you'd want to do it the night before and then the morning of, of the competition. I don't really compete much anymore with her because of her age, but it, I did notice a difference. I thought it took longer for this to work once like halfway into our work, she'd be like, I just feel like a whole like release of air from her. And she's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I can relax. So you, so you think whenever you use this product, according to its uh, labeling instructions, it, it kind of sank in and started to have an effect after. Now, do you think the same thing would have happened? Let's say you gave it to her according to the instructions and you just simply mm. waited longer. In other words, instead of getting her out, um, putting her on the lunge line, let her move around a little bit. Um, do you think mm -hmm. getting her to move around a little bit helped to get it to kick in? Or do you just think it took longer? I think it just took longer because I didn't change my training yeah. regimen that I have with her mm -hmm. from the different products. And I think we'll probably made it work not as quickly with the paste. Mm -hmm. It takes more to digest it. Mm -hmm. So whenever, whenever you used this product, did you notice any specific behaviors that it had an effect on? Was she less spooky, less energetic? She, she seemed more focused. Mm -hmm. She seemed like I, like more like not, 
I, she's like ADD. She can't like focus on one thing at a time, but this was more like, okay, I'm focusing just on the rider. I'm not focusing on the horse that's grazing out over there or the dog running down the hill, fighting Uh, with the other dog in the middle of the ring. Squirrel. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get or the, it. Or the, or the squirrels throwing acorns at us. Yep. But yeah, and I think they, I could. I think they could like improve the smell a little bit. It was just a little strong. What was that like when you first got in the saddle? Did you feel her already? Like, her calm. Like, did you yeah. feel her calm to start with? Yeah, because I I did I did it two different ways. The experimented with it that I gave it to her about half hour to an hour before I got on and rode the night before. Then the following day, I gave her another dose to see if it would make a difference. And I didn't lunge her that time, but I noticed that it's kind of had a uh, building effect. Like the more you gave it to her, the more it worked. Ah. So like what usually, usually sometimes when I get on her, like I can just already feel her just putting my foot in the stirrup. She bloats and she tenses and then she steps forward. But this time she like kind of just stood there. And I didn't feel like I had this massive loaded horse underneath me when I got on. Very interesting. And and probably the actual intent of the product is to take yeah. that edge off. Having to take that extra step out of our riding and, and um, reduce that anticipatory anxiety in them, if that's what this pace does, just maybe they could add a little sugar to it or something else. <laughs> <I don't know>. yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. apple flavor instead t- of maple. Awesome. Especially, yeah, because like I, I knew how like how Ace works with horses, and this is a, like a cheaper alternative than getting a prescription from your vet for Ace. Wonderful. I like it. Well, there we go. All right. Yeah. So that's the. Equicom Paste. They have it at horselovers.com. Uh, what are we looking at for price here? Because it is an affordable alternative. They have a pretty, um, I don't know if this is a pack. It's listed at 118. Yeah, you get like, you you get six um, syringes of it and it's like 30, mil, 30 cc's or 30 milliliters of okay, the product. Okay, it's a six product. pack. It's yeah. a six Look pack. I, yeah, I read the fine pack. print. Six pack. Yes, it's it's a six pack. <laughs> so if we if we yeah. were to do the math, what's roughly one hundred and twenty dollars divided by six? That's easy math. So that's what twenty dollars a tube. Yeah, that's about average for like that kind yeah. of stuff on the market. So that's that's really that's pretty good. So um, so it's Equicom yeah. paste, and it is available at horselovers.com. Thank you very much, Amory. This was a really informative review. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> well, we had a great show today, Jen. It was full of stuff. I'm honestly, I think it was full of stuff I didn't expect it to be full of, but I'm well, happy that it was. You know, the theme for this show was problem solving. Yes. We had problem solving <laughs> products. We had our listener of the of the week was Dr. York who was pr- helping to solve problems for horses and families in Nicaragua. We it was awesome. It was awesome. And I solved the problem of being single by getting See? married. <laughs> and, and, you know, we have the, when Glenn's away, I, you know, I had to say Glenn runs the show very much and certain, especially in, in stable scoop. I, I used to be more involved in the production, but now I'm, I just kind of sit back and I'm, I'm a passenger, which is, is fine. But what happens is, is when Glenn departs for the day, he takes all his knowledge with him. Yes. <laughs> He doesn't necessarily do a great job of leaving those instructions behind. Glenn is not you know, good like, at P at uh, POPs. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. Right. 
procedures, no directions, no, 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 no. Just, I love you, Jen and Helena. Here you go. You'll do a great job. And yeah. you know he, what? He trusts Our us. Job, it's all about the trust. He, he trusts <laughs> us. So we have to kind of think on the fly, which is not, I don't know about you, Jen, but that is not my strong suit. <laughs> I need careful analysis. Um, but I think we did a good job and we really got to know some some great people. I loved our conversation with Dr. York and I loved learning about Amory's thoroughbred and what challenges she faces and, and the Equicom pace. And of course, I loved talking about my own very special wedding day. And I got to do this all with you, my favorite horse person of Whee! all time. So much fun. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you. Thank you. So where can everybody go for details about today's show? They can go to stablescoop.com. You can dig through our show notes. We put links to our guests and products and everything that you need to know that you could not remember from listening to the podcast. But you know what? We make it even easier for you. You can get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Droid phone, which makes all of this stuff super easy. If you just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store, Go download it. It's free and from a usability perspective, super easy to use. Woohoo! And then you can log in next Friday for another another episode, or if you've downloaded the app, it will be there for you. Aha! And we love your feedback. That's how we find out what you guys want to hear about. So join us on Facebook. That would be Stable Scoop. Or you can follow our tweets, and our handle is H is uh, Horse Radio. That's our handle. Horse Radio. And that's yep. right. And you can become an auditor and you get the really, really inside scoop. And if you go to the website, stablescoop.com, there's a button there that tells you how to become an auditor. And many, many thanks to this week's sponsors, which would be horselovers.com and Dr. Rose's Remedies. And horseware. Woohoo! We love them all. Thank you very much for sponsoring us. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network. We have a bunch of them now. And if you want to find out what they are, go to horseradionetwork.com. Jennifer, we did it. We survived. Yay! But there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping, everyone. (laughs) 